0: What's your name? Well, my name is Jim, but most people call me Jim. (laughs) Okay, Jim,
1: since you are my guest and I am your host, what are your pleasures? What do you like to do?
2: Oh, I don't know. Play chess? Screw? Well, let's play chess. things repeat brain big enough welcome this is the Atari Lynx Handicast This is episode 07, the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge. And here once again is your host with the most, Mark Little.
1: Thank you, Monty. And to quote Zero Mustel in A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, you are a gentleman and a procurer.
2: You're quite welcome. I think.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HandyCast. I'm really glad that you joined me in this installment of my ongoing exploration of everything Atari Lynx and its game library. In this episode, I cover the first third-party game in this podcast, part number LX101, also known as part number L402, the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge, released by games publisher Telegames in 1991. Now, in addition to a brief history of the Telegames company, I also include in this episode a complete rundown of the gameplay, music, and sound effects for the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge. I also highlight a few reviews of the game some information about the prices that collectors can expect to pay for a cartridge of the game on eBay and other retailers, some trivia and fun facts about the game, and some very welcome feedback about the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge from some of my loyal listeners. But first, a confession. I am not a chess player. Oh, I know the moves each chess piece can make, and I know the general rules of the game, and most of the time I can successfully set up the board to begin playing without looking at a diagram white pieces move first, right? But I was a checkers guy growing up, and as most people know, checkers is a much simpler and easier game to play than chess, especially as a kid. I really didn't get into any other games, board games or video games alike, that required more than a modicum of strategy, until I went to college and learned how to play backgammon, which was all the rage on college campuses back in the late 1970s. Spoiler alert, I'm old. I got pretty good at backgammon too, but with chess it was different. I never could get the hang of extrapolating moves in my head far enough to make playing chess anything more than a boring experience for me. Now I know that any chess players out there listening to the Handicast right now will tell me that I just haven't learned or experienced the nuances and subtleties of chess to appreciate its true elegance and beauty. And I don't think I'm too old a dog to learn some new tricks, so perhaps I will learn those subtleties one day. I did give the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge a jolly good try in preparation for this episode and I promise to continue playing the game in my daily rotation of Link's go-to titles, at least for the near future. But if I make a mistake in this episode, in the description of a move or in the pronunciation of a chess term, or, more importantly, in my understanding of an essential tenet in the game of chess, well, I hope my listeners, whom are avid chess players, will see fit to cut me a little slack.
3: Mongo only pawn in game of life.
2: Linkstin.
1: For my first LinkedIn note, as I mentioned in the last episode, the Atari Lynx Handicast is now a proud member of the Throwback Network. The Throwback Network is a great source of retro-themed podcasts, both gaming and non-gaming. Please check it out to get your retro podcast fix at throwbacknetwork.net. And many, many thanks go to Sean Johnson and Rob Flack O'Hara of the Throwback Review Podcast for including the Handicast on the network. Thanks, guys. For my second LinkedIn note, there is a new Atari podcast in town. It's called Into the Vertical Blank, and it is hosted by twin brothers Steve Fulton and Jeff 8bit Rocket Fulton, who both grew up Atari or as they call it, in the vertical blank. The vertical blank is the space between the lines. It's where work occurs that you never see on the screen. In their podcast, they discuss Atari computers and systems, new and old review new games that they collect, talk about all the systems and the significance that they had in their lives and in the lives of others, and they even talk about them in an historical context and how they are being used now. They do all of this in an effort to finally understand the answer to this existential question. What does it mean to have grown up Atari in the generation of the vertical blank? I've been listening to this podcast lately, and it's a lot of fun to hear two brothers relate their own experiences growing up Atari. Please be sure to check it out. And for my final LinkedIn note, I want to give a big, big thank you to Brasbit on Twitter, who, as part of downsizing and general cleanup of his Lynx game collection, donated to me a copy of the large size carton for Gates of Xenocon, which is a carton I didn't already have. BrazBit, I really appreciate your help in making my Lynx collection just a little bit more complete. Thank you, sir. Okay, checkmate, comrades. It's time for us to take a close look at today's game, the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge.
3: Anyway, Queen takes pawn.
2: Okay. Bishop takes knight's pawn. What a lovely
3: move. Uh rook to King
2: one. I'm sorry, Frank. I think you missed it. Queen to Bishop three. Bishop takes queen. Knight takes Bishop, mate. Uh...
3: Yeah, it looks like you're right. Mary's I resign.
2: Thank you for a very enjoyable game.
3: Yeah, thank you.
2: VITAL STATISTICS
1: The Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge was released by Telegames no later than March of 1991, ...at an initial retail price of $39.99. It is a stereo curved lip-style cartridge. I think it's 128 k but I cannot find confirmation of that. The Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge is an isometric or top-down strategy tactics game... ...for one or two players. The Comlinx cable is not used in this game. The game is based on the classic board game of chess... ...utilizing the experience of Fidelity Electronics makers of various standalone chess computers of the day. The basic game engine used in the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge was the same engine used in the computer game the Fidelity Chess Master 2100, published by the software Toolworks, Incorporated in 1988 for the Apple II, the Apple II GS, the Commodore Amiga, the Commodore 64 and DOS. The screen play field orientation for the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge is landscape or horizontal. It has 17 levels of play. Levels 1 through 8 are time-based, in which the response time can be set from 5 seconds at level 1 to 4 minutes at level 8. Levels 9 through 16 restrict the use of look-ahead abilities, and level 17 is an infinite level. The carton for the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge is a full-color, standard-tab, regular size carton. Five and three-eighths inches high by four and 3 inches wide by 7 eight inches deep. I'll describe the front of the carton. Across the top of the carton is the standard gray and black cartouche that includes the Atari Fuji logo and name in white on the left corner, oriented vertically, with the Lynx yellow and red broken font logo taking up most of the top of the cartouche. Below the Lynx logo are the words VIDEO GAME CARD in white block letters. Down the right-hand side of the carton is the ubiquitous gray vertical band with faux embossed Lynx font X's. Besides this game, this band only appeared on the cartons of five other Lynx games. Blue Lightning, Electro Cop, The Gates of Zendokon, California Games, and the TeleGames title Kicks or quicks. Superimposed over this gray band at the bottom is a small version of the red and white Telegames oval logo. The top half of the cover art shows in the distance a beige colored bailey or castle against a green mott or hill with dark black and white clouds in the background. The foreground of the cover art displays a perspective view of the chessboard with gray and red squares. On top of the chessboard are two pawn pieces, one dark brown piece standing up and one gray green piece lying on its side in front of it. Across the lower third of the chessboard is the title in white shadowed capital serif lettering. The fidelity in small size font, then in larger size font, ultimate underneath, then chess beneath that, then finally challenge trademark at the bottom. The back of the carton is laid out like this. The background is white. On the upper left of the carton is a small version of the standard gray and black cartouche that includes the Atari Fuji logo and name in white on the left corner oriented vertically with the Lynx yellow and red broken font logo taking up most of the top of the cartouche and with the words video game card in white block letters below the Lynx logo. Below the cartouche are two small screenshots, one on the left showing the isometric or perspective view of a fully populated chessboard and one on the right showing the overhead or looking down view of a fully populated chessboard. Below the screenshots is the title logo in black lettering, Interestingly, the TM, or trademark, symbol is located far to the right of the title. Beneath the title are four brief paragraphs providing a description of the game, and I'll read those to you. On your own against the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge, the world's most powerful handheld chess game, or against a friend, the stunning 3D graphics and advanced technology of this latest game from Telegames has to be played to be believed. The Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge uses the most powerful chess playing technology from the laboratories of Fidelity, The premier manufacturers, which by the way is missing the last R, of dedicated chess computers and developers of the world's only USCF certified master rated 2325 chess program. Switch from 3D to overhead view for the final attack, or use one of the many options available to review the game to date. Full on-screen statistics giving score, times, moves, etc., and many other features on this the world's fastest color handheld chess game for one or two player, multiple skill levels. At the lower left of the carton is the Atari Fuji logo with the Atari Corp and Link's copyright information underneath. The Telegames red and white oval logo is shown at the bottom center, beneath which reads in black all capital lettering, Telegames and Telegames logo are trademarks of Telegames Incorporated and Telegames Limited software. Copyright Telegames Incorporated. Fidelity is the trademark of Fidelity Electronics International Incorporated. Then the official seal of the FBI appears on the bottom right of the carton, bracketed at the top by the usual phrase, Winners Don't Use Drugs, and at the bottom with the name William S. Sessions, Director, FBI. My copy of the carton says, Printed in Taiwan, in black lettering on the lower right corner. Now a little bit about the manual. The instruction manual for the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge is a stapled, regular-sized booklet in monochrome, measuring the usual 4 seven8 inches high by 3 three-quarters inches wide. It is 40 pages, including the front and back covers. Across the top of the front page of the manual is the standard Atari Lynx logo, outlined as usual in light red, with the Atari Fuji logo bracketing the Lynx logo at the left. Beneath the logo are the words Video Game Card rather than Video Game Manual, as it appears on the cover of some manuals. Down the right-hand side of the manual is the gray vertical band with faux-embossed Lynx font Xs. The cover art is a monochrome version of the carton cover art. Inside the front cover are several paragraphs of Telegames and Fidelity copyright and boilerplate info. Two-thirds of the way down the page is a large monochrome depiction of the Telegames' oval logo, followed by copyright 1991 Telegames Incorporated Lancaster, Texas, 75146, all rights reserved. The next page includes the title of the game in black lettering across the lower middle, with the words Links trademark Portable Color Entertainment System Game Manual across the top. Uh, the next page is blank, followed by a page that includes the Table of Contents. Then the following page is blank. After that, the next page is page 1, labeled in the Table of Contents as Introduction, and it includes two brief paragraphs describing the game. Congratulations! You have just purchased the most powerful portable chess game available. The Ultimate Chess Challenge is based upon the proven chess playing technology from the laboratories of Fidelity Electronics, the premier manufacturers of dedicated chess computers and the developers of the only United States Chess Federation master-rated 2325 program. With 17 skill levels, multiplayer capability, and selectable 2D or 3D modes, You have purchased a product that will challenge even the most serious chess players. We know that the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge will provide you with many hours of enjoyment. Page two includes getting started instructions, and page three gives the following special note. Most Lynx products contain a standard feature that causes the game to turn itself off if left unattended after five minutes on batteries and after one hour on the AC power supply. Since chess is an intricate game requiring many minutes of deliberation between moves, it was decided that this feature could interfere with advanced levels of play, and it was therefore removed. Please remember, your links will not turn itself off if left unattended. That's a good safety tip there, Telegames. Thanks. Page 4 describes the optional game controls. Pages 6 through 16 describe the game's setup, which I'll summarize later in the Playing the Game segment. Pages 17 through 26 describe the game board with the following headings. Move Entry, Accidental Move Entry, Special Moves, Mate and Draw, Take Back, Force Move, Hints, Board Display Mode, problem setup, and exting game board. I'll read only what the manual says about special moves, mate and draw, take back, force move, and hints later on. Pages 27 through 29 include statistics information, including a summary of the game's scoring. Pages 30 through 32 include a lengthy description of Telegames' limited 90-day warranty and mailing address, and the next page after that is blank. The inside back cover includes a mail-in form to Telegames to request information on other games by the publisher with both Texas and United Kingdom mailing addresses. The part number of the game, LX-101, is printed on the bottom right corner of the form. The back cover is mostly blank except for the telegames copyright information at the bottom. Below that are the words printed in Taiwan. My manual has the letters GC.8.1991 at the far right bottom corner. And as far as I can determine, the manual for the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge was available in an English version only.
2: Atari Links Handicast will return after this brief advert.
3: Fidelity Electronics introduces the first chess game that not only thinks, but also speaks to you. I am Fidelity's chess challenger, your computer opponent, enter, your move b 1, C, 3, enter. From H4 to F2, Queen takes on, check, and make... Download these Challenger Series games and find stores everywhere.
1: There is virtually no record of any credited individuals involved in the production of the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge. Therefore, I thought I would instead include a brief look at the software company, Telegames. Here's what Atariage says about it. Telegames is an online and direct mail retailer of video game hardware and software with U.S. headquarters based in Texas. They also have a sister operation located in England, and they have been in business worldwide since 1979. Telegames used to carry a wide variety of games for classic game systems, but in September 2004, they ceased support of all, quote, classic and, quote, orphaned video game systems. They do still carry games they published for the Atari Lynx and Jaguar systems, However, In some cases, Telegames repackaged classic games under their own brand, and there are many examples of this for the 2600. Telegames published a total of six games for the Lynx during its original lifetime. The Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge in 1991, Kicks or Quicks in 1991, Double Dragon in 1993, Desert Strike in 1993, Super Off-Road in 1993, and European Soccer Challenge in 1993. All six games were released as curved lip-style cartridges that included a standard monochrome booklet manual, and all of them were housed inside a regular size carton adorned with traditional Lynx cover art and verbiage. Telegames also published five other titles for the Lynx, near or just after the console was discontinued by Atari, Crazy Ace Miniature Golf in 1993, Bubble Trouble in 1994, Raiden in 1997, Fat Bobby in 1997, and Hyperdrome in 1999. These later release games were published as PCB or printed circuit board cartridges and included only the most basic instruction sheets instead of a booklet manual. Crazy Ace and Raiden were released in regular sized standard Lynx cartons. Fat Bobby and Hyperdrome were released in compact disc jewel cases, and Bubble Trouble was originally released in a clamshell VHS-style folio case. Today, Telegames still sells copies of its Atari Lynx and Atari Jaguar games through its British website, telegames.co.uk. Lynx games originally released by Atari and other later release publishers can also be ordered there. As for the music and sound effects, well, there are only two musical pieces in the entire game of the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge, one of which is the fanfare for the Telegames logo itself, and neither of which are credited. I'll play samples of both pieces when I get to the Playing the Game segment, which is coming up next.
2: The Atari Lynx Handicast will return after this podcast promotion.
0: Christopher? Hey, Kevin. Hi, Chris. Kevin? Christopher. Let me ask you a question. Hey, Kevin. Uh, what do you call that show? We call that show, call that their show, Tupacast, and we talk about all kinds of things. We talk about movies, we talk about TVs, we we might even talk about some books, we talk about life, we talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little fun, we talk about current events, we talk about retro and vintage items, and there's a whole lot on the pipeline for today, but we've got at least another five or ten more. So y'all may check out Tupacast. You can uh, find Tupacast on iTunes um, or e.c.tupacast.com com slash tupa cast. It's a really fun show and there's even artwork for the show on the blog. So you should check that out too.
2: You were you were
0: scapping out there a little bit. Can you repeat all that? So yeah, like I have a, this new podcast. <laughs> and I, I...
2: <laughs> for the best art on the web, go to ctupa.com. For the best podcast, go to ctupa.com slash tupa cast. Tupacast, movies, tv, toys, tunes, and life
1: playing the game. Most people know how to play chess, at least a rudimentary version of it, so I won't bore you with the chessboard setup, each chess piece's movement conventions, or the rules. If you don't know how to play chess, there are much better resources to learn the game than the Handicast, of which you can avail yourself, and I won't mind a bit. However, having said that, later on I will go over a few of the special moves of chess that the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge has incorporated into its software. For now, I'll just go over starting the game, what you'll see, what little you'll hear and the mechanics of playing chess on the Atari Lynx. The Telegames screen. After the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge cartridge is inserted and the game is turned on in the usual manner, the opening screen shows the red and white oval Telegames logo against a black backdrop on the top, with the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge in capital white serif lettering in four rows across the center followed by copyright 1991 in smaller capital white serif lettering at the bottom. This screen is silent. After a few seconds, the screen goes blank, and then the telegame's red and white oval logo is seen spinning along a vertical axis against a black background as the telegame's fanfare music plays. During this sequence, the word PRESENTS in capital white serif lettering fades in across the center. The last S in the word PRESENTS has a small animation of a white sparkle at its top corner as the music ends. Let's listen to the fanfare. After the fanfare is over, the screen changes to the title screen. This screen has a black background with an isometric view of a red and white tile chessboard at the bottom. There are two blue chess pieces on the board. The first is what looks like a pawn at the rear left and the second is a rook located at the left center of the chessboard in the foreground. Across this artwork is the title of the game. Fidelity is rendered in golden script with brown highlights and it is positioned at the top left. Ultimate is rendered in tall sans serif font in white, outlined in brown and red, and positioned to the upper right. The word Chess is rendered in capital gold and brown bold serif lettering, positioned directly beneath Ultimate. Below that, the word Challenge is rendered in the same font and color, only slightly smaller. Notably, the word The from the title is missing from the title screen, yet it appears on the carton, in the manual, and in all of the contemporary advertising and reviews of the game. At the lower right of the title screen, in two rows, are are the words Telegames Copyright 1991 in small golden brown serif lettering. This title screen does include a very brief Baroque style tune. Let's hear it. And that's it for the music for the game. We'll go on to the game setup display. Immediately after the title screen music ends, the game setup display appears with a brief musical cue. After this cue, until the player makes a choice from the on screen options in which the same musical cue is used, the screen remains silent. Name The game setup display has a dark blue background. Across the top is the word Player in capital white sans serif lettering on the left and the word Master in capital mustard color sans serif lettering on the right. Player or players can choose to enter their own name by using the D pad to position the small white and yellow cursor arrow over either Player or Master and press either the A or B button. Doing this will reveal an alphabet matrix allowing the player to choose the letters of his or her name for input. After the game is entered, pressing Option 2 saves it and returns the screen to the game setup display. Color In between the player names is a connected arrow pointing left and right, with the left half white and the right half mustard color. Clicking on this allows the player or players to choose the color of their pieces. In this game, the colors white and black are replaced by the colors silver and yellow. The silver side always starts the game with the first move. Number of Players Below the player names on the left hand side of the screen is a grey and white pawn piece which is used to determine or indicate the number of players. One Pawn indicates one player mode in which the player plays against the game's AI and two Pawns indicate two player mode in which the game is handed off to live players between moves. Clicking on the Pawn or Pawns toggles the Mode. Mode of Play. To the right of the Pawn or Pawns are the words TIME1 in capital white sans serif lettering used to determine which one of the three different modes and levels of play are to be chosen. Here is what the manual says about the modes and the levels. Time Mode. Time Mode means that the computer is unrestricted in search depth when looking for its next move and that the move will be executed based on an average elapsed time. There are 8 levels of time mode, with time 1 having the shortest average collapse time per move, therefore being the easiest time level. Depth Mode Depth mode means that the computer is restricted in search depth to the number of ply specified when looking for its next move, but is unrestricted in the time it takes to fully search that ply level. This means that the computer will not execute a move until it has finished its search at a specified depth. There are 8 levels of depth mode with depth 1 searching only one ply and depth 8 searching to 8 plies. Depth 1 is the easiest of the depth modes. Infinite mode. Infinite mode means that the computer is unrestricted in both search, depth, and time. In this mode, the computer will try to solve completely the game on each move. Level of Play Level of Play further qualifies the mode of play selected. As in the mode of play, this parameter has no effect if both players are human. The level of play is indicated by a number that is displayed immediately to the right of the mode of play text. Since there is only one level of play in infinite mode, no number is displayed in that mode. You may change the level of play before beginning a game or at any time during the game. To change the level of play, position the pointer over the level number and press either A or B. Now on to display mode. In this row, on the far right of the game setup display is an icon of a chessboard with red and white tiles. The distance perspective view chessboard icon indicates that the game will be played in a three-dimensional oblique or isometric view of the chessboard, which is the default. A perfectly square chessboard icon indicates that the game will be played in a two-dimensional top-down or bird's-eye view of the chessboard. Board rotation. On the left-hand side of the screen just below the number of players' pawn or pawns, can be seen a pair of what looks like large parentheses the left one white, the right one mustard color. This icon indicates whether or not the chessboard is set up to rotate 180 degrees to allow each player a first-person perspective after each move in the game. A red do not circle will surround this icon if the game is currently set in one-player mode and or if the display mode is set up in top-down view. Sound. To the right of the board rotation icon is a graphic of a white speaker outlined in mustard color. Clicking on this icon allows the player or players To toggle between having the sound effects of each move turn on, which is the default, or turned off. The Move Timer To the right of the sound icon, in the same row, is a graphic of a white clock, outlined in mustard color. Clicking on this icon allows the player to enable or disable the move timer that runs during the playing of the game. Messages On the far right in the same row is an oblong mustard color box outlined in black with the letters MSG in capital white sans serif lettering. Clicking on this icon allows the player or players to enable or disable the messages, such as check or checkmate or invalid move, that can appear on screen during the play of the game. Exiting. At the bottom of the game setup display are the words Option 2 to play, in capital red serif font lettering, outlined in white. To save the settings in this display and to begin playing the game, just press the Option 2 button. Otherwise, press Option 1 to view the statistics display page. The Game Board When the computer is waiting for a move to be entered, either one of the board squares will be highlighted to a green color or an arrow will appear off the board. The player can move this joystick to see how he or she may change the position of the highlighted square or arrow. This mechanism gives the player the ability to, quote, point at any location on the chessboard. Also, when the computer is waiting for a move, the computer provides visual cues to indicate whose turn it currently is. On the three-dimensional board display, the move's timer color will match the color of the player's name whose turn it is currently. On the two-dimensional display, only the name of the player whose turn it is, along with the move timer, are displayed. To begin entering a move, the player positions the green square under the piece he or she wishes to move and presses the A button. To complete the move, the player positions the green square on the square to which he or she wants to move the selected piece and then presses the A button again. Note that the square under the selected piece will remain green for easy reference. If a valid move is completed, the computer will make an acceptance sound and move the selected piece as indicated. An invalid move initiation results in a sound and the on-screen message invalid move. And the player will have to reselect the piece he or she wishes to move. In a one-player game, after the player completes a successful move, the computer makes its move. The manual also gives information On how to correct accidental moves or how to take back a move after a player's turn is over. Statistics display. The statistics display is an informative display showing, in column format, each player's name, total elapsed time, score, and move history for the current game. A score is kept for each player throughout a game and is displayed below that player's elapsed game time. A positive score indicates that the player currently enjoys an advantage, while a negative score indicates that the player is at a disadvantage. Scores are calculated based on the following piece values. A pawn is 100 points, a knight is 300 points, a bishop is 350 points, a rook is 500 points, and a queen is 900 points. Now a little bit about the special moves. The instruction manual describes several special moves in the game. I won't describe all of them here, as some of them are either well-known or are self-explanatory. But there are three I'd like to highlight here en passant, The computer will capture a pawn, en passant whenever it determines that such a move is desirable and it will also recognize when you choose to move, en passant. Castling. The computer will castle whenever it determines that such a move is desirable and it will also recognize when you choose to castle. You may castle by moving your king two squares toward the rook. The rook will be moved automatically. And finally, promotion. As in a normal game of chess, When a pawn reaches the 8th rank, it may be promoted to a higher valued piece, usually a queen. Once you have moved a pawn to the 8th rank, a window will appear in the middle of the screen with a queen displayed within it. You may change the piece within the window by using the joystick. Use the joystick to select which type of piece to which you wish to promote your pawn and press the A button. The promoted piece will then appear on the game board. If one of the computer's pawns reaches the 8th rank, the computer will evaluate its present position and will promote the pawn to the piece it feels will be of most value. The instruction manual goes on to describe the following moves and rules and how to use them during the play of the game. Check, Mate, Draw, Checkmate, Draw by Stalemate, Draw by 50 Move Rule, Draw by 3rd Repetition, Take Back, and Force Move. The game ends when either the player completes a checkmate move, or the computer completes a checkmate move, or the game results in a draw. Here's a few hints from the manual. It lists the following hints that may help the player during the play of the game. If it is your turn and you would like the computer to suggest a move, you may request a hint. The computer may or may not elect to provide one. If the computer elects to suggest a move, it will indicate its suggested move by making a sound and repeatedly flashing the from and to positions for the hint. To obtain a hint from the computer, press B while no move entry is in progress. No piece has been selected. And finally, note that the hints are not available in two-player games.
2: The Atari Lynx handicast will return after this brief advert. I like
0: links the screen is bigger! I like links, more can play at the same time! Links has 16 pies! I mean beats! I like game Boy. Three out of four characters prefer links! Buy links now get NFL game free!
2: Reviews and ratings.
1: There were only three online reviews that I could find for the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge, and they were all generally positive about the game. The first one is from Kaida Aida at Atari HQ, who gave the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge a rating of 7 out of 10, saying, All in all, Ultimate Chess Challenge is recommended for those who have an affinity for chess. It lacks the flair of finer simulations like Chessmaster 4000 Killer, but for chess on the go, it more than fits the bill. You can find Aida's full review and ratings in the links links. The next review was by veteran writer Robert A. Jung. In his 1999 review of the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge, it ends with this verdict. Telegames has made a respectable entry into the Lynx game market with this title. As a chess game, the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge fits the bill. It plays a strong, challenging game, though it presumes some knowledge of chess on your part. The lack of a board setup option, however, is inexcusable. It could have been added with very little effort. However, if you can live with this omission and want to play chess on the go, then Fidelity Chess is a good solution. Jung gives the game a rating of 7 out of 10 and his full review is hyperlinked in the Links Links. <laughs> Last but not least, John McQueen has posted a review of the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge on atarigamer.com. He gave the game an overall rating of 7 out of 10, and he summarized the game this way. Overall, when all is considered, it's a good grade for the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge. It's chess, pure and simple, with some snappy features and worthy options. It's not going to appeal to everyone, but then, neither does chess. If you are a chess buff, though, it's nice to know that this title fulfills the gap in the links library nicely. Check it, mate. A link to his 2018 review on atarigamer.com can be found in the links links in the show notes. What about my own review for the game? Well I'm not the right guy to have a strong opinion about the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge because, as I stated earlier, I'm not much of a chess player. Having said that though, there are aspects of the game that I like and also that I don't like. What I like? The game mechanics are simple. It's not hard to figure out how to play the game on a Lynx. The instruction manual serves more as a tutorial on the strategies of a game, of chess itself, with a lesser emphasis on what buttons to press and how to complete moves. The game is colorful, if a bit spartan in its overall look and design. There's no need for speedy control in this game, so controlling one's chess pieces is not a problem. I like that there are lots of ways to control the setup of the game, such as choosing a timer setting, a level of play, how many moves the computer can think ahead, or a 2D or 3D view of the board. I prefer the 2D, the 3D looks too cluttered. And for those who live and breathe chess every day, the Lynx version is a good and portable pick up and play title when a regular chess board or, more importantly, a regular chess player is not available. Here's what I don't like. There's no music. At all. For a video game that may sit idle for several seconds or even minutes while either the player or the computer is considering the next move, beeps and three note cues just don't cut it. It really should have at least some ambient music playing. Also, the graphics are serviceable but ultimately uninspiring. As John McQueen mentioned, a few cutscenes when pivotal moves occur such as castling or checkmate would have been a nice touch to make the game a little less chessy. As it is, the most exciting graphics in the entire game, at least in my opinion, are the telegames screen and the title screen. Also, I don't like that the pieces are gold and white instead of black and white. So here's how many links out of five that I'm giving the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge. Gameplay, four links. Graphics, two links. Controls, three links. Music, one link. And sound effects, one link. And for my overall rating, 2.5 links out of five. And that's it for reviews for this episode.
2: Atari Links Handicast will return after this podcast promotion.
0: My name's Doug McCoy and I like podcasts about the things that interest me. So what interests me? Movies from the 80s, anthology TV shows, and just a bunch of random junk like the Atari 2600, the Nintendo, comic books, and all that good stuff from my childhood. So if you are interested in the things I'm interested in, come to mccoycast.wordpress.com or find the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher.
2: Facts and trivia.
1: Here's a few prices on online auctions for the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge. A single loose cartridges on eBay in the last 90 days, there was one sold for $16.80. Single cartridge manual combo on eBay, there was one sold for $19.20. A single CIB on eBay, five listings sold over the last 90 days, including one from Spain and one from the UK, all of them averaging $16.44. Loose cartridges sold in a lot on eBay. There was one sold with a Lynx 1 console, one loose cart of Quicks, or Kicks if you prefer, and one loose cart of Ninja Gaiden, all for $56. Under pricecharting.com, the averages for a loose cartridge were 14 dollars for a CIB copy, 17 dollars and for a new copy, $34.22. There were a few retailers selling the game. The Gamesman in Australia is selling NIB copies of the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge for $24.95 in Australian dollars or $18.31 US at the current exchange rate. The Goat Store has a new copy of the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge for $59.94 or a used copy for $29.99. Telegames in the UK is selling the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge For £14.99, which is $19.59 US at the current exchange rate. And Video 61 in Atari Sales has CIB copies of the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge for sale at (coughs) $99.95. Under Rarity, Atari Age gives the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge a rarity score of 6 out of 10, which is Rare+. plus. Atari Age says this about Rare Plus games. Ah, now we're talking dedicated cartridge hunters can find these in the wild with perseverance, but it will take considerable effort. If you must resort to eBay, expect to give up $20 to $30 each. AtariGamer.com gives a rarity score of 38 out of 100 for the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge which means it's uncommon, starting to get difficult to find, but still accessible. Neither DigitalPress or RarityGuide.com have a listing for the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge. And as the score is not really important chess, there are no high scores listed on HighScore.com, TwinGalaxies.com, or AtariAge.
2: The Atari Lynx Handicast will return after this brief advert. Coming to a screen near you. In over 4,000 colors. With full stereo sound. On the largest portable video game screen in the world. Free. Only on Atari Lynx. Batman Returns. A $50 value. Free with any purchase of the Atari Lynx game system. Now for a limited time only. Listen to feedback.
1: I got an Apple Podcast review. Mazinger Me gave the Handicast five stars on Apple Podcasts, saying this. The Lynx is a system I never owned or played. I am really enjoying learning about it from Mark. Well, thank you very much, Mazinger Me. I really appreciate that you took the time to leave a review, which helps other interested listeners to find the Handicast. And I'm especially happy that you're enjoying and learning from the podcast, too. In emails, Eugenio sent me an email about his experience with the Lynx, along with his thoughts about the first six games I had covered on the podcast. I read most of his email on the last episode of the Handycast, episode 06 California Games, but I saved his feedback about the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge for this episode. Here's what Eugenio said. Okay, I'm going to be very honest about this one. I have this in my collection because I wanted to have a complete collection of commercial releases for my links. I'm not a big fan of chess, in the real world or in a video game version, but I do have some feedback to offer about this game. After seeing the very nicely rendered title screen, I expected to see something more impressive on the actual chess board. The board can be seen in 2D and 3D modes, but how about some animation when the pieces move? The same goes for sound, not a lot of it. Some in-game music would have been nice, or even sound with the pieces when they move, particularly if they had been animated to do something. Maybe telegames felt that that would have been too much of a distraction. So that's all for now. Until next time, keep up the good work. Oh, and what is it that you say? Oh yes, eat, sleep, links, repeat. Going to the final frontier, gaming. Eugenio. Thank you so much for your feedback, Eugenio. I agree with your points about the lack of animation and music. This game desperately needs both to give it a little excitement. Not that any real chess match is that exciting, at least in my humble opinion, but when the most exciting thing on the cartridge is the Telegames logo and the intro music, you gotta wonder if it can ever be very much fun to play. Anywho, thanks Eugenio, I really appreciate it. I also received an email from Benjamin Murphy. Let's hear what he has to say. Hello Mark. I was so thrilled to find out recently that someone is doing a podcast on the mighty Atari Lynx. Thanks to Ferg on the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast. My story with the Lynx begins in 1991, when I was a freshman in college. I had grown up with an Atari 2600, and then later an NES. When I saw pictures of the Lynx in a magazine, I was fascinated at the prospect of playing games on a 16-bit handheld with a full-color screen. I remember at some point, someone in my dorm had a Lynx Model 1 with blue lightning and clacks. I was briefly allowed to try it out and was blown away by that experience. How could anyone settle for a Game Boy, I thought to myself. But alas, I was a broke college kid, and owning a Lynx of my own was a distant fantasy. Fast forward to 2013. I had always remembered that brief experience with the Lynx years ago, and when I saw a Model 2 listed on Craigslist for only $30 by the original owner, in excellent condition, I knew this was my chance to finally own one. So I dropped to what I was doing and immediately drove half an hour to the next town over from where I live to pick it up. At that price, I knew it would be gone quickly. It was a wonderful ride home. I glanced at the box on the seat next to me and nearly wanted to pinch myself just to be sure it was real. LOL. I was finally a Lynx owner after all these years. It came with a handful of loose carts, one of them being Warbirds, which is on my short list of best games for the system. I eagerly await your episode on that one. Since then, I've built up my collection to around 50 games, and gotten the coveted McWill Screen mod done, along with VGA output. I can tell you that it was worth every penny. No regrets. It's like someone took a cloth and wiped away the haze and fog, revealing all the bright, sharp, and vibrant colors. The VGA out is great as well. It's great to play on a full-size monitor. I want to thank you so much for doing this podcast. I've been binge listening, and I'm currently on the Gates of GizendoCon episode, which I'm listening to as I write this. Excellent job. Keep up the great work. Regards, Benjamin Murphy. Thank you so much, Benjamin, for providing your Link's story to myself and to all the Handicast listeners. I absolutely agree with you that given the choice between getting a Game Boy or a Lynx, I would always choose the Link's. And Warbirds is indeed one of the best titles on the system, in my opinion. I can't wait to cover that game myself as it's also one of my faves. And congrats on getting the McWill upgrade to your links. It sure makes a difference, don't it? And thanks especially for your kind words about the Handicast. I really appreciate it. Cheers, Benjamin. I did receive one audio submission for the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge from Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. Here's what he had to say.
0: I bought pretty much every Lynx game I could get my hands on back in the early 90s. As long as I had money in my pocket and gas in my toiletator cell, my plan wasn't so much going out to get a particular game, it was going out to get any game. Oh, look at that, the chess game is out. I had heard about this one, there was a big catalog of Lynx games, I think this was tucked in an issue of Electronic Gaming Monthly, and it included Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge among the many games listed. The write-up made it look like a really sophisticated chess program, which was pretty appealing. I had played chess, I knew the rules and stuff, but didn't really get into it like my friends did. But I was at a friend's house one afternoon watching a game, and I was looking at the board and thought, wait, Fred can checkmate in four moves. He didn't do the moves that I was thinking, but still about a dozen moves later, he did ultimately win. So maybe this chess thing is something that I could get into. But uh, I'd want to be able to practice, and not necessarily against other humans just yet in case I sucked, but the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge seemed like a good way to get into the game, more experience without the potential for embarrassment. So, as I said, I had the money, I saw the game there on the shelf at Babbage's, and with that justification in mind, I bought my copy of Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge. Barely played it at all. The menu screen is terrible, moving a mouse-like cursor with a D-pad, that's no good. But I'm just making excuses here. My intentions might have sounded good, but really, the interest just wasn't there. My ownership of the game may be measured in decades, but actual playtime is measured in minutes. It's kind of like that classic book that you've always wanted to read, but just ends up sitting there on your bookshelf. I'll get to it someday. Maybe.
1: As usual, Shinto, I want to thank you for sharing your memories of the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge. Yeah, I guess you can figure out by now that, like you, chess has never been a driving passion in my life, so I can understand why your playing time for the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge can be measured in minutes over the past 27 years. My time playing it might surpass your time playing it, but only barely, and most of my time was spent in preparation for this episode. But you're correct that this cartridge, good intentions or not, is an excellent way to practice playing the game without any fear of embarrassment. Now, if you will allow me, Shinto, I'm going to hijack my response to your audio submission with a funny story of my own. Yes, Shinto. I'm taking a page from your own podcast, the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast, and I'm including a one-time only storytime segment here that I'm calling Musings with Mark. I hope you don't mind, Shinto. You mentioned your Toyota Tercel back in the Ferg. Now, I haven't thought about that model of car in quite a while. Back in the 1980s, a good friend of mine had a Tercel, a little red one, and he owned that car for many years. Later on, he gave it to his brother. I'll never forget the funny story he told me once about the Tercel and his brother. Seemed that his brother went out to start the Tercel one day to go to work. He couldn't start it. He tried everything, including jumping off the battery, but it just wouldn't start. This was in the days before the internet, so he couldn't just type the symptom and the car model into Google to see what the likely culprits might be. He couldn't afford a tow truck or potentially costly repair at the time, too. So my friend's brother just hoofed it to and from work every day, a distance of about a mile or two. This apparently went on for over a year. My friend's brother walked to work every day, then walked home every day, while his lonely and forlorn Tercel sat quietly in the apartment parking lot where he lived, steadfastly refusing to start. As time went on, the car's red paint began to fade to a Pepto-Bismol pink in the Georgia sunshine. One day, my friend's brother was getting something out of the glove compartment in their Tercel when his knee accidentally knocked the console's gear shift, and there was an audible click. Curious, my friend's brother decided to try starting the car just one more time. Voila, the car started. Apparently, my friend's brother walked to and from work every single day for over a year simply because he had not perfectly positioned the gear shift into the park position. Wow, talk about embarrassment. I don't think my friend's brother ever lived that down. Anyway, thanks so much Shinto for your awesome memories and feedback, and please keep up your audio submissions, if you can. And to my loyal listeners, be sure to listen and subscribe to Shinto's Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. You won't regret it at all, I promise.
2: Wrapping it up.
1: Well, that's about it for my coverage of the Atari Lynx telegames title, The Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge. I really hope you all enjoyed it. In the next episode, I will be covering a really fun game, Xenophobe, or Xenophobe if you prefer the American pronunciation. I'll be pronouncing it both ways in my coverage, so take your pick. And if you have any feedback for Episode 08, Xenophobe, please try to get that feedback submitted as soon as possible so that I can include it on the podcast. You can just listen to this episode's ending credits where Monty will tell you how and where to submit it. Episodes of the Handicast coming up after Xenophobe are Episode 09, Chip's Challenge Episode 10, Todd's Adventures in Slime World Episode 11, Zarlor Mercenary Episode 12, Clacks; And Episode 13, Warbirds Join me then, won't you? Until then, keep LinkSing.
3: Leaving so soon?
1: are in order for the Free Music Archive, which allows for the song 8-Bit Core by Dagiridjus to be used as the opening and closing theme music for the Atari Lynx Handicast under the Creative Commons license. The Free Music Archive also allows for the following songs and artists to be used in this episode. To Eris Social Blast by To Eris, The True Entity of Life by Daniel Birch and Ben Pegley, Fields and Streams by Ian Sutherland, We by Simon Mathewson, and Elements by Mark Birch. I would also like to thank Ferg of the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast, and Zerbi of the many Zerbinator Land podcasts, including the excellent Please Stand By podcast. The help and inspiration that Ferg, Shinto, and Zerby have provided in my brief podcasting experience are invaluable to me, and I really appreciate it. Finally, I would also like to give my heartfelt thanks to my beautiful wife Lizzie, she has put up with me and with this strange podcasting thing with the patience of a saint and I could never fully repay her, but I will definitely try.
2: Nudge nudge, snap snap, grin grin, wink wink, say no more. The Atari Lynx HandyCast is a proud member of the Throwback Network. You can listen to all of the great retro themed podcasts on the network including this one by visiting throwbacknetwork.net Episodes of the Atari Lynx Handycast can be found on Apple Podcasts. Please take time to leave a review of the Atari Lynx Handycast on Apple Podcasts so that other interested listeners can easily find the Handycast. You can also find the Atari Lynx Handycast on Stitcher, on Google Play Music, and on TuneIn. While you're at it, Be sure to check out the Atari Links Handicast website at atarilinkshandicast.net. All of the episodes can be found there, including show notes and a list of upcoming episodes. And you can visit the Atari Links Handicast blog page at atarilinkshandicast.blogspot.com. Also, you can subscribe to the Atari Links Handycast on Facebook by visiting facebookcom handycast. and you can follow the Atari Links Handycast on Twitter. Just search on Twitter for Links Handycast. Finally, you can send Mark Little an email and let him know what you think about any episode of the Atari Links Handycast. You can also provide your own feedback about any Atari Lynx games. And you can even suggest future topics or possible interview subjects to future episodes. Or you can just simply say, hi. Just write to him at mark at atarilinkshandicast.net. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Atari Links Handicast. This is Montague Habisham, wishing you a good evening.
1: And as far as I can determine the manual for the Fidelity... And as far as I can determine the manual for the Fidelity... That's hard to say. So here's how many links out of five that I'm giving the Fidelity Ultimate Chess Challenge. So here's how many links out of five that I'm giving the fithel- Ugh.
2: I must know we mean them no harm. Certainly, we're by now that we're totally incapable of it. There must be something to do.
0: Something I've overlooked. Chess. When one is outmatched, the game is over. Checkmate. Is that your best recommendation? I regret that I can find no other logical alternative.
2: About chess, Mr. Spock.
0: Poker. The Atari Lynx Handicast is made possible by a grant from the Telesearch Group and by the generous
1: support of listeners like you. Thank you.